You are about to listen to Defending Black Girlhood Podcast, and I'm your host, Lelada G. I'm a black mother. Look, I don't care what Mookie May May and Lakeisha oh, Mama does. I'm not Mookie May May and Lakeisha's uh, mama. Tripping. A preacher. Give me the key of D. And Mary had a little baby, and his name was Jesus. A life coach. Look, girl, if Chump don't want no help, Chump don't get no help. Oh, and a singer. And I, and I, and I, no, I ain't a singer. Most of all, I'm an advocate for black girls everywhere they are. And I'm telling you right now, I am unapologetic as hell about my fierce advocacy for black girls to be safe in their homes, schools, and communities. Join us for courageous conversations about topics that most impact our girls and be inspired to do your part in defending black girls in your part of the world. Some information may contain graphic, violent, or explicit language. Listener's discretion is advised. I am sick and tired. And I didn't just get sick and tired. I've been sick and tired of being sick and tired for 400 years. The depths of healing and um, being able to get into those tough moments, um, but also the joyful moments of healing. I think we talk a lot about the traumatic, the hard, the uh, difficult, but there's also self-reflection that's absolutely necessary for us as Black women to survive <laughs> and to keep living on this in this world. Do you ever fully heal? I guess that could be one of the questions too. Or are we always healing? Is there ever yeah. is there ever a full destination here on earth that can be obtained? Maybe you know, I'm trying to forgive somebody, rectify the situation, and and try to find the best in people. Right. I, maybe it's my age and stage in life. I'm not trying to find the best in people anymore. We want to submit so deeply to people's perceptions of who we are or maybe even who we've been Mm. and that can deeply hinder and deter where we're trying to go one of the things that's important for our listeners to understand is that sometimes we're going to be having conversations that are directly about black girls right now and what they're going through but some of what we're going to be doing is defending the black girl that's inside many of us we have been through some things and because other people have ignored it, because other people have ignored our pain, because other people have ignored our experiences, we've ignored it too. And it's this time to deal with some stuff. It's time to deal with some stuff that will propel us towards healing. Start recording? Yep, just started recording. And we are getting ready for season two of the Black Girlhood. My Lord, here we go. <laughs> I am sick and tired. And I didn't just get sick and tired. I've been sick and tired of being sick and tired for 400 years. And my soul feels every year. My soul feels every offense. Every time you raped me, I still feel it. Every time you forced my son to rape me, I still feel it. Every time you sold my baby away, I still feel it. Every time you made me nurse your baby, I still feel it. Every time you beat me, I still feel it. Every time you stole me away from my Africa, I still feel it. Every time you sold me, I still feel it. Every time I had to steal away to Jesus, I still feel it. Every time I had to escape, I still feel it. Every time I had to march. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to die while we were talking. Oh my god. Every time I
I can't even read a deep poem without having some kind of trauma sneak oh. up on me. Wow. That's that is so true. That is true. So, I wish this video was recording. I wish <laughs> I really Oh my God. That was the most Are genuine you? fear I've ever seen. Literally. My, my bad, ma. I was trying not, I was trying to avoid my computer dying. My God, you okay? I know. I still feel it. Mom, what did you see? I, I just was like, "Why is somebody trying to get into my office?" I thought I saw something out of the periphery of my eyes, but I said that it must have just been somebody walking past. But then when you started coming in, I was like, "Wait, Jesus!" But you know what? The irony is that this is the truth of being a black woman i have so much post-traumatic stress and trauma response can't that, even read no uh, poem hyper <laughs> my god <laughs> okay is everybody good yeah, yeah. every time i had to march i still feel it every time you lock me up i still feel it Every time you cried your tears instead of feeling my pain that you caused, I still feel it. Every time you killed my son, I still feel it. Every time you killed my daughter, I still feel it. And every time you killed me, I still feel it. Every time, everything, I still feel it. And I'm fucking exhausted from feeling it. Hello, season two of Defending Black Girlhood podcast. That's what it is. And so, true to form, you know, the professional thing would probably be to um, edit out that scream, but I think I might just leave it there because it's just the truth of the reaction of being a Black woman in America, really being a Black woman anywhere. There is this underlined holding a breath, the underlying waiting for the shoe to drop, the underlying feeling of unsafety and uncertainty and of fear and not knowing what's around the corner that keeps us just kind of out there and at alarm, at alarm. I am excited to be starting season two of Defending Black Girlhood. And I am not by myself right now. I am joined by Alexandra. Hey, what's up, world? Hey, and Cassie. Hey, hey, Cassie. hey, hey, what up, what up? And we are about to talk about this thing. We're about to talk about what we're about to do in season two. And, you know, um, I guess I just start off with just asking each of you, Cassie, like, what is one word? that you might use to describe your feelings about season one? Uh, I would, the first, some reason the, the first word that came to mind was justified. Mm. Um, and justice. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Alexander, how about you? The word that came to mind to me was transformational. Mm. On a couple different levels. I love it. I love it. Um, geez, I think the the first word to come to my mind is just gratitude. Mm -hmm. I'm just so grateful that it happened, so grateful for its impact that it's already had, and even more so grateful for the impact that it will continue to have, and grateful for being able to enter into the story of Erica Hill and be able to present it to the world and, and change those around us. And so um, I'm really excited about season two and what we're going to dig into. And true to form with the three of us, we, we've had a few different iterations of what we thought we was going to do. <laughs> Always. Still might change. Always. And it still might change. 
Um, but this is our podcast, and we're just gonna have to do it the way we do it. Sure. Got to you get know, with it. Right. And so there's just like a level of things I, I thought about talking about. Um sex stuff with black women and girls. I thought about kind of continuing the larger conversation about missing black women and girls. I mean, there's just, there's no wrong way to go with it. And I think that's just the thing. But I think the direction that I want to lean into is season two, inviting the listeners into a deeper conversation about defending black girlhood and, you know, kind of the the elements that um, prevent it, elements that protect it, and the elements that propel it. And just having a number of conversations with folks around what we need to do and really looking at having a number of dynamic conversations with women um, who've overcome, women who are still struggling and seeking healing, you know, and really just, you know, because there's there's a level of it. There's, there's this place where you feel like, man, I really am healed. I've really done well. Uh, and then there's this other level of it where you're just struggling. Like every day is just a struggle. Every relationship is a struggle. Everything is a struggle. And then there's another level of where you wanting to heal and you're struggling to heal. You, you try it, but it's just a struggle. And I'm sure there's other levels um, all in between and beyond, but that's what we're going to be talking about and really taking a deeper dive into the connection between Black women healing and defending Black girlhood. What do y'all think about that? Well... <laughs> right. Um, I'm excited for it. I'm excited to explore different elements and different levels of um, not only healing, but um, the journey to healing um, and even the precursor to it. Because, you know, we got to identify something to heal in order for us to heal. So um, that's that's something I'm definitely looking forward to with this season, the depths of healing and um, being able to get into those tough moments, um, but also also the joyful moments of healing. I think we talk a lot about the traumatic, the hard, the uh, difficult, but there's also breakthroughs um, and, you know, just self-reflection that's absolutely necessary for us as Black women to survive <laughs> and to keep living on this in this world mm-hmm. absolutely i agree with that too just being able to talk about the whole journey the in between the successes the struggles just the the true reality of what it means to heal um mm-hmm. and just the continuation of that and and the reality that i don't think you i don't know do you ever fully heal i guess that could be one of the questions too or are we always healing? Is there ever right. is there ever a full destination here on earth that can be obtained? Maybe. I don't know. But I think it'll be really interesting to bring in different people, different uh, legs of the journey, uh, different perspectives, stuff like that. I'm excited to see that and have the freedom to just go with wherever your spirit leads and whoever and whatever comes up with that. I mean, I think that's a great question. I haven't achieved total healing. I've received transformation. I've received deep healing, Mm -hmm. life-changing healing. But man, there's just some times that I'm really clear that I'm still fucked up. Yeah. (laughs) Amen to that. (laughs) I'm not as fucked up as I used to be. Right. (laughs) For real though. Yeah, and I don't take as many people down with me. Yeah, <laughs> right. You know, or take as many people out. But I think it's a lifelong journey. You know, yeah. I think especially when you're dealing with two levels of things where if you're just a Black woman and you're just living your life and you've had a great life, you still are carrying trauma. Mm-hmm. You're still carrying, you know, generational trauma. You still carry it in your DNA. And then if you're a black woman who just has had to face some shit 
mixed with trauma of your ancestors, you know, it's just extra. You know, we were at the bank the other day and this guy in front of us was, he was kind of like teetering between the two lanes and the lane, he was already tired because the lines were taking so long and he's trying to position his car so he could go to whichever lane opens up. And for some odd reason, <laughs> there is a black woman in line that that just didn't sit well with. At all. So all of a sudden, we saw this car pull up on the side of us. And I'm thinking, wait, why is she getting out in this lane? And then she rolled out her window. And I knew ex- immediately what was going on. So I pulled down my window to listen in. And I pulled down my recorder. Wow. <laughs> This woman began to cuss this man out in a way that only an angry black woman who has had a long day and maybe didn't eat lunch or two, a little crust or three. (laughs) I ain't never seen nobody put together words like she did. It was the best cuss out session I think I have ever in my life witnessed in real time on a movie, like ever. Hey, that high key. I wish I could have seen that. Oh, you'll see it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) She cussed him the hell out. Like she cussed him that I could only imagine that after he made his financial transaction and left the bank and drove home and I can change his pants. <laughs> change his pants. I can only imagine that he went home, ate a little dinner, went to sleep, and woke up about one o'clock in the morning wondering what is the meaning of life. <laughs> Man, I gotta see that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to say it to you right now. <laughs> bet, bet. <laughs> because I can do that, I'm not. I ain't yelling at them. I'm yelling at your motherfucking ass. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you now. Well, why now? You got your motherfucker. Pick a line, motherfucker. Pick a line, baby. <laughs> his whole life apart <laughs> she shredded every type of thing that man could be oh my god <laughs> but you're right though it's funny but that has to be tormenting though to be that on edge to respond to everything around you in that extreme manner there was no reason to respond like that and right. that has to be exhausting to feel that much and mm. stuff. like she is clearly on edge no one just pops off right. like that mm-hmm. right she told that man this is choose a motherfucking lane day <laughs> <laughs> he was so sad oh my god <laughs> among so many 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 yeah. other things <laughs> He was crushed. Yeah, he didn't need to be babysitting Lane, so like yeah, right. So he like part of me was just like, sister, can I buy you dinner? Like, thank you. Or a couple of drinks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I rolled up to her and I said, Sister, you made my day. Like you actually like 
made my life right now. <laughs> the funny part is, though, like, mom, she wasn't laughing back. Like, you know, sometimes you know when you're being funny and saying stuff, and when someone says, like, you made my day, they'll laugh with you because they know it was funny. She wasn't laughing. She still she looked did hot. a little bit. But I'm just she saying, did a little bit. Not, but I'm, my point is that she was obviously in like a whole different world in that moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. let somebody know what it was. <laughs> but you know, but seriously, you know, um, but what happens when you know her child brings home an F or accidentally spills the milk at dinner right. or you know does some little infraction you know does all that fury come out does all that rage come out for little things that her child might do like i've seen women like cuss out a toddler right you know i'm like they can't even walk while you cussing them out like that you know so i mean so that's the flip side of the seriousness of it like what is that to be what is it like to be raised by a woman who has that type of rage? Mm-hmm. You know, right? Um, and there's a lot, and, and and honest to God, I be if I'm really honest, I feel that that type of intense rage quite frequently. Mm-hmm. I don't release it like that, mm-hmm. but I'm telling you, just moving through this world as a black woman. I sometimes feel intense rage and don't always know where to put it, where to release it in a way that's not harmful to myself, that's not harmful to, you know, other people. And I think about like on a daily basis, I probably encounter three to four situations that probably need that maximum level of a cuss out, but I just can't do it. Because I will lose myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I think because I have healed, I've gone down the healing journey, I know how to manage it. I know how to not let my rage overtake me and, and cause me to do things and say things that I regret. But it doesn't take away the fact that I still feel that rage. Right. Yeah. I'm I uh can attest to that rage for myself. <laughs> um <laughs> I have a very short fuse for temper when it's something um that I just find like very disrespectful. And it could be like the littlest things. It's not it's just a level of like zero to a thousand that I go to. But mm-hmm. I don't always act on it. And that's been something I've struggled with since childhood. Mm-hmm. I'll feel this intense like anger and rage and I I internalize it. Um, mm-hmm. And then it comes out like during the worst moments. And it'd be the most mediocre minor moments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. You know? So, yeah. But it'd it's- be that last fucking straw. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that day of that week of that mm-hmm. month of yeah. that situation yeah. of that pay periods <laughs> you know it would be that last fucking straw <laughs> yeah for real <laughs> which makes you wonder though what's the pros and the cons of obviously that ain't the best way to release it which she right. did like cussing somebody out for like seven minutes straight but maybe it helped a little bit so what's the pros of releasing and the pro and the cons of holding it in? Yeah. Yeah. And and that, the unfortunate thing about the situation was I'm I'm imagining that that young man hadn't had many dealings with a black woman because he tried to mm-hmm. c- counter cuss her out. Mm-hmm. Um baby. <laughs> he was drowning in his words. Not only was he drowning in his words, he was throwing fuel on her fire. <laughs> yeah, it, oh my yeah, god! Like this, you will never win this. Right? Like, don't try to prolong an argument with an angry black woman. Don't do it. This ain't what you want, motherfucker. 
pick it up tomorrow. <laughs> Send a text message the next day. Just right. shelve it. Just shelve it all together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, don't just, say nothing else. Just right. put it on the shelf. You ain't got right. no argument, really. Right. <laughs> exactly. Reported to HR, but <laughs> leave it alone, baby. Don't you try to argue with an angry black woman? Oh, man, you ain't winning. That's no, crazy. No. <laughs> so yeah, so we're gonna talk about those things because you know, then that anger goes home. That anger is not just at the bank. It's not just at work. It's not just, you know, when somebody's following you around the store thinking you're going to steal something, you know, it's, it's, it's there and it goes home and it goes into how you're raising your kids and it goes into how you loving your significant other, you know, if we don't deal with it, if we don't heal it, if we don't work with it, it just becomes this, this thing that um, prevents us from having the life we want to live. I saw this on social media recently and it said this detach from what destroys you. Mm-hmm. And do you all think that we know or don't know the things that are destroying us? Uh, I think the human body is made in such a strategic way that it's uh, made to detect things that are foreign and intrusive and destructive. So I, that's my long way of saying we know. <laughs> Often. Uh, yeah, I think um, to that, it probably depends on the level of self-reflection someone's mm-hmm. willing to do. Because mm-hmm. you can know that something is destroying you, but not know it's that thing. You know what I mean? Like... Mm-hmm. You can um, you can experience a sense of like if you it's like it's kind of like have you ever been around someone's energy and you never met this person before but you already know that you're not trying to be around them. Yes, yes. <laughs> absolutely um, right. And this and it's something inherent like like Ali was saying in your body. There's something that knows, but yeah. you may not know what or be able to identify really what that trigger is necessarily. So um, something I've, I've learning for myself is that um, these different triggers that I'm willing now to identify as before, I would just go into these situations, um, maybe knowing that it's not going to be the, like having an inherent like intuition that something's not right, but going into it anyway. Just because mm-hmm. I feel like I'm supposed to, or I'm feel like, um, feel like that that's you know that's just what is supposed to happen. Particularly Expect like yeah, like like going you know going to families like reunions or something like that, or going around mm-hmm. people who you know you shouldn't be around, <laughs> um, right. who bring out a different side of you or a particular side of you that you're not so happy with. But right. if you're not willing to identify those factors that like create that either anger or rage or um, that bring out a a different side of you that's not um, reflective of who your true self is, Mm -hmm. then, you know, I think it's hard to detach from those things if you don't call it out. Mm -hmm. I I suppose is what I'm getting at. If you don't call it out, if you don't call a thing a thing, you know. It's almost like you're saying that we all we know when something's wrong, but we don't always know exactly where it stems from or what it is. Mm-hmm. But there's something mm-hmm. in us that always does know when something's off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. Yeah, and I think the other point of what you were saying is the level of introspection. So I, mm-hmm. we feel it. We know something is destroying us. We know something is getting the better of us. And so that's the time when I think we need to get curious, like with the lady at the bank, you know, she should have asked herself, why, Mm -hmm. why did I go that far? Mm -hmm. Like she went back five generations. (laughs) Like at some point she should have had an opportunity for reflection to say, yeah, that was stupid what he did. It was annoying what he did, but did it take all that? Where is this really coming from? Right. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I think 
that's what I'm, I'm, I'm calling out to my black women, especially my black women mothers to get real curious about your life, mm-hmm. to get really curious about what is hindering you to get real curious about what you're struggling with, real curious about the things you keep stumbling over to get real curious about the habits and the behaviors that you carrying forward from your mother and your mother's mother. Get curious about who you're dating. Be curious about who you're letting up in your house. Like this is just the time to, in 2020, um, there's so much, in 2020, there's been so much shit that's going on around us that I don't know. We've had all this quarantine time too. Like it's time to start looking at the shit within us, mm-hmm. you know, to, we've had a lot of distractions. We've had a lot of horrific things that have happened in 2020, but we didn't have a lot of time right. by oneself in 2020. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had a lot of time by oneself and, and probably more time is coming. Um, but you're gonna be a little closer to home, you're not hanging out with the homies. Like, what is going going on with you? Right. Grab a journal. Mm-hmm. And I think too, if you're not able to in the time now, I think things are kind of opening up a little bit or whatever, but like in the time that we have pretty much gained now by mm-hmm. having some things closed down and whatnot, if you're not able to be still and you mm-hmm. and you get anxious about having too much time that's also a point of self-reflection because why mm-hmm. why do you have to be busy all the time what are right. you what are you running from what are you like right. what are you trying not to confront because i think mm-hmm. we spend so much time um trying to do stuff that when we are forced in a sense to slow down there's a panic because mm-hmm. it's really like you know, now I have to, now I have to do some introspection. Now I have to do right. some self-reflection and I don't want to, <laughs> that's right, not where right. I'm at. Like, you know, and so why, why are you, why is there a fear of that? Mm-hmm. Mm. Very true. Yes, yes, yes. Good. So, um, you guys seen anything interesting on social media lately? Any memes, quotes that kind of stirred up a thought in you? <laughs> Um, I've honestly tried my best to stay off social media because there's so much stuff, um, with that, like Trump stuff that comes up that I'm Mm -hmm. just, and it just enrages me. Like I saw a video earlier of, um, this Trump rally and, and, you know, racist white people being racist white people <laughs> and mm-hmm. it is in the the language they were using and like just the stuff mm-hmm. i just got so mad yeah. <laughs> that i almost mm-hmm. let it ruin my day i was like i can't believe this is happening yeah but in one sense you can believe it's happening um right. a lot of stuff that i try to like share or to to look more into um i like thought leaders like um Pastor SJR um, or Sarah Jakes Roberts mm-hmm. or um, Yala Van Zandt. Oh, y'all got it like that. You and hey. SJR. <laughs> I said pastor. <laughs> um, <laughs> I also have been listening a lot to Dr. Anita Phillips with um, her podcast, which mm. is an intersection of spirituality and uh, mental health and, and therapy. Um, mm. So I've really tried to get away from the social media and do more of the audio listening because the social media has been getting on my nerves. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a big part of your healing. You yeah, it has right. to be. Because like, you need to do. That's it's the right. it's the triggers we were just talking about. It's those things that yeah. like that piss me off. Really, it's like mm-hmm. I I just mm-hmm. it's hard for me to comprehend how people can be so ignorant. <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> so it's it's easier for me to um to get away from those things that trigger me at this point because it's too much (laughs) yeah how about you alexander there's a couple quotes that 
I've saved from the past and stuff that I feel like kind of pertain to these conversations. So I can just read those off. Um, the first one just says, the versions of me that you created in your mind is not my responsibility. And I love that because I think that that can get in the way of our healing because we mm-hmm. we, we want to submit so deeply to people's perceptions of who we are or maybe even who we've been. Mm. And that can deeply hinder and deter where we're trying to go. So I really liked that. I thought that stood out. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other one is sometimes people try to destroy you precisely because they recognize your power, not because they don't see it, but because they see it and they don't want it to exist. And that's bell hooks. And I love mm. that too, because that just makes you think about healing. And um, sometimes we, we get off course just by people's response to us and just like the way the world responds to us trying to heal and trying to move forward when uh, oftentimes it's just out of intimidation and just the recognition of the power that's within us. And then it's it's up to us to see how we move regardless of how stuff's moving in response to us moving and getting our healing and doing that. That is mm-hmm. so true. I yeah. like that. Yeah. That's I got to rustle, rustle some papers. Hang on. <laughs> Go ahead, wrestle them papers up. Right, I'm gonna wrestle them too while we edit. Um, <laughs> I know you sent me this one on Face. It's so funny we be sending like these memes and things back and forth on Facebook Messenger and Instagram. <laughs> this one um, was by at only one B Woods at only one B Woods on, on, on Twitter, sorry, on Twitter. She said, normalize, letting go. I love you, but fuck you. I love me more. (laughs) Well, (laughs) Mm -hmm. if there was a possible way of wrapping up black woman healing in three sentences, I believe that (laughs) especially from your lips, Right. <laughs> I believe she's done just that. Right. Yeah. You know, like we always try to redeem somebody. Yeah. We always try to forgive somebody, rectify the situation, and and try to find the best in people. Right. I, maybe it's my age and stage in life. I'm not trying to find the best in people anymore. <laughs> I'm going for the quickest thing I can see about you. Hmm. If you show me something that I love, make me feel good, make me feel hopeful, I'm going to go for that. But if I can see into your soul and I don't see nothing but shit there, that's what I see. (laughs) I'm not getting a shovel, digging in to see if I can find some gold. Like, I did that at 25. I'm going to make your ass grow faster than you want to, motherfucker. (laughs) I had a hope and a dream at 25 that I can't afford at my age. So, like, have the time to determine if you have the potential for something better. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna take what you're showing me right now. Right. Mm-hmm. How have you seen that benefit you having done it the other way, especially to us who are younger and kind of towards that age? Then, when you've done that, how do you see that's changed your interaction with people in your own healing? I have so much more personal energy. You know, and I'm a I'm an introvert and I'm a I'm a empathic person, you know, so I, I I'm an empath. So I feel a lot of energy. I feel like not just energy from people. I feel energy from places. Yeah. You know, I was out east um, this fall and I was driving through some of the areas where the Civil War was fought. I could feel the energy mm-hmm. of that. I could feel it, you know, so I'm always feeling stuff. And trying to figure out if what I'm feeling is right. <laughs> if I can believe what I'm feeling, you know, should I give credence to what I'm feeling? Um, can I stop feeling this? <laughs> right. You know, and I think the more I just lean it, look, this is just what I'm feeling. I don't know if it's right. I don't know if it's wrong. It's what I'm feeling right now. And I'm going to go with what I think is real. And it just gives me more of my time back. Like I wasted a lot of time in relationships hoping that people would be better, hoping that people would do better, hoping that they would choose better, mm-hmm. hoping that something good would come out of it. And in the end, a year, two years, five years later into it, they still the same person. <laughs> yeah. They still the same person. And now you didn't took all them years off my life and added all these extra experiences. Now I got to try to fucking heal from. 
Well, you know what I'm saying? So I just feel like it's I have much more energy to put into the things that I love, to put into the things that bring life, to put into the things that bring good, because I'm not being dragged down by people who already showed me that's what they're about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really good. So in other words, sis, he ain't going to stop hitting you. He's not going to stop cheating on you. She ain't going to stop talking about you behind your back. Your supervisor isn't going to have a come to Jesus moment and change. If you hate the job and hate your supervisor, get a new job. You know what I'm saying? Like all these things that we keep Mm -hmm. thinking. And I'm not saying don't persevere. That's not my point. Right. My point is plant yourself in the best possible situation so that, you know, you not keep thinking that, that thing is going to change. Like it just, you have a limited amount of time. Mm-hmm. How much of it are you willing to waste? Mm-hmm. So true. So true. Ma, I got a question for you. Uh-oh. No, that's not an uh-oh question. Oh, okay. <laughs> what do you want your listeners to take away from this season? What's your goal? What's the goal of these conversations? What's the point of this all? You know, somebody asked me the other day, like, what what does how does defending black girlhood engage girls? Something like that. You know, they want to know like how we work with girls around defending black girlhood. And I said, We don't. Mm-hmm. I said defending black girlhood is really about letting black girls know you don't have to defend yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay, I see that little flip of the answer. Yeah, so there's been like way too many black girls who have had to try to defend themselves. And so what I want my listeners to take from this season as they listen to the various conversations is what am I doing to prevent, protect, or propel the defense of black girls? Whether you're a black woman, a black mother, a black man, a white woman, a white man, a social worker, a teacher a supervisor, a, a, a medical doctor, a therapist. Um, did I say social worker? Uh, <laughs> say it again. I'm going to say it again. Social worker, <laughs> you know, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. What are you doing to either protect it, propel it, or prevent it? Because mm-hmm. you're doing one of them things. And I want to challenge the listeners, no matter what end of the spectrum that they fall on to challenge themselves to figure out what they can do to help to propel the defense of black girls. Mm. Come on. Yeah. It's time. Yeah. And to that point, there's another uh, quote, Alexander, that you shared with me a couple of weeks ago. It says, you want to break a generational curse, give your kids the right to tell you when something you're doing is hurting them without being defensive and dismissive and I want to say I want to add in and damaging and I think part of it is the whole thought and idea about breaking the generational curses and as we're looking at you know historical trauma and we're looking at the residuals of slavery and the horrific treatment of black women and black girls and black people through slavery and the generational curses that we carry through that I I like to remind white people that they have some generational curses that they're carrying as well, because it is traumatizing to be so damn evil. It's traumatizing to be so damn cruel. It's traumatizing to treat people like animals and they're carrying that trauma. And the, 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 the short term for that is racism. Mm -hmm. The short term for that is anti black is you know mm-hmm. and one thing that i've noticed lately i'm gonna go off on a tangent probably but the one thing i've noticed lately is so now we're reacting differently to the killings of um george floyd and brianna taylor like we we're seeing businesses do things that they've never done like coca-cola and McDonald's came out with statements like, what the hell? Can I get some <laughs> French fries in? Like, don't write <laughs> right. shit about how you down for black people. Like, what are you actually doing about it? Right. 
to to even you know this whole playing field up. But you're seeing like these national corporations pausing and saying, "Oh my God, like this is so undeniable. We have to say something." And 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 thank God they didn't say, "We see you." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't take another one. No. <laughs> Not another one. And I think I talked about this before, but I said, like, whatever gay white people the thought that all we needed in the midst of all this turmoil and and the killing of unarmed black people was we needed y'all to come up with a damn script. <laughs> This ain't what you want, motherfucker. Well, that you keep on saying. Like, what gross. made you think that all we need to heal the 400 years of oppression was for all of y'all to say, We see you, we hear you. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't it. That wasn't it. And so, I was recently having this conversation about, you know, this, this. I'm about to do this speech at this college and they're, they're talking about, you know, I don't know what the hell, something to make them feel good about. being white. <laughs> and, you know, we want to talk to people of color. Like, no, I will talk to black people because when stuff is happening to other people of color, y'all not talking to people of color. Y'all talking very specifically to them about their issue and their plight and, and go ahead and do that. But when, when black people are getting shot down in the streets, shot in their homes while they're sleeping, I want to talk to people of color about people of color issues. I want to talk about very black issues that are going on right now, mm-hmm. you know, and um, the, the, the need to shape the conversation for us. You know, I, I've gotten into heated conversations. Let's just say I needed a woman from the bank one time I was in this <laughs> conference and um, what the woman was talking about racism and somebody brought up anti-blackism and she said, we're not going to get into the oppression race. And I had to just tear up that <laughs> meeting from the top to the bottom, from the side to the side, because I'm like, wait a minute, white woman, you don't get to Define for us what we have seen and experienced in America, you know. And so I think we have to be very careful that as we're starting to have these conversations about race in a different way, that you, you, if you invite me in, I'm talking about black girls <laughs> <laughs> and the black women who had them. That's what I'm talking about. Black girls, black girls, <laughs> black girls, oh, black girls, black girls. talking about um the steaks at the finest steak restaurant here in town i'm listening somehow i'm gonna talk about a black girl okay (laughs) (laughs) it'll be working there somehow some way yeah some kind of way because this is what i'm about at this point and so just kind of staying you know on point which i kind of went off point but you know what i'm trying to say Hmm. with this really being needing to shape the conversation that I feel I need to have in this time about the issues. And, you know, I guess that's what this podcast is about. I guess. I get to shape the conversation that I feel like I need to be having about defending Black girlhood without apologizing. Mm -hmm. You know, people will invite me in to do things, you know, even if it's sometimes art, they'll invite me to do an art piece but they said, can you put boys in it? Can you, have you seen anything that I've done? Have you seen me paint some boys? Right. You know what I'm saying? It's not like I have never done any boys, but the lion's share of my yeah. art is yeah. black women and black girls. That's what it is. Like there's a whole bunch of black people who do art of black boys too. And white, I've had white women ask me, can you make her white? Oh, this 
<laughs> I wish I could carry that lady from the bank in my pocket and just pull her out when I need her. She's about to be our little secret weapon throughout this series. Right. Right. <laughs> I needed her. I needed her. You know, so it's like sometimes you have to, you know, I look I look over the history of black people in America. And I look at the Negro League that was flourishing with these fantastic baseball players and black seamstress were, were making their uniforms and black folks was making the popcorns and the hot dogs and, and black people owned the stadiums and the black community had this as recreation. They'd be picking cotton during the day on some sharecropping um, plantation that they wasn't making no money on or working in the coal fields, Alexandra, like, or the, what, I guess it's not coal fields. I guess it's a cave or something. Y'all know what I mean. Like, like your great grandfather. Oh. <laughs> because your great grandfather worked, worked in the coal mines. There we go. There it is. Mm-hmm. Coal mines. You, yeah. know, you know, and this is what they have for recreation. This is what they had that restored them, that refreshed them, that restored their soul. But that wasn't good enough because we told ourselves that you weren't legitimate unless you were playing in a major league. And then piece by piece, our, our players start leaving and going to the, to the major league. And then when they got to the major league, then the fans that they had in the black stadiums weren't even allowed or welcome to come into those stadiums. You know, it wasn't the same kind of economic boost to the black community you know, the black teams begin to dry up and the and the black folks who were owning the companies and selling the hot dogs and owning the stadiums and all these kind of things, it dried up. You know, I think about how we had to get into white schools. We, we just had to do that. And I look over the years of how that has impacted our children and our learning and our learning environments, you know, and, and the struggle being so real for so many black students, you know, that we're looking for equality and we want to be able to work where you work and we want to be able to live where you live and do what you do. And I'm not saying that that's wrong because I think we should have the freedom to be who we are and move and breathe in America because this is our country that we built. But at the same time, I'm just at the place where I want to build what it is that I need. I want to create what it is that I need to do what I feel like I need to do because I'm tired of asking for permission. I'm tired of fighting for a chair at the table where I'm not wanted. I'm tired of trying to infuse myself because we've lost a lot. We've lost a lot. And so um, just trying to create something that I don't have to apologize about talking about Black girls. I don't have to flip the switch. I don't have to change the conversation. I don't have to ask, can I talk about this? Is that okay? I don't have to do that, you know? And so I won't. (laughs) So I won't. So um, this season, we, you know, we have a number of powerful conversations coming up. And, you know, um, one of the, one of the stories that's going to kick off season two is about Aprina Paul, a young black girl who was murdered like Erica Hill in Fitchburg. Well, she was from Fitchburg. She was actually maybe murdered in Fitchburg, but she lived in Fitchburg. Erica Hill lived in Fitchburg. It's just a horrific story. You know, and Alexandra, you knew Aprina. You guys went to school together. Yeah, I did know her and we actually hung out a couple of times too. So to hear that when that story came out, it's just crazy that it's not just someone that you knew about, but that you've actually talked with and laughed with and spent time with and just right in your same state. Mm-hmm. These horrific, these terrible, crazy stories and stuff are happening and affecting black girls and women right here. Mm-hmm. And it's so odd because I won't go into the details right now, but it's so odd. There's this about three really overwhelmingly similar situations between the Aprina Paul story and the Erica Hill story. Um, One of which, like I said, they both lived in Fitchburg at the time. They both were missing, Mm. you know, um, for Aprina, you know, there was a, a swifter response to her being missing. And there's a third similarity that you all will 
here as you listen into the conversation that I had with her mother, Alice, and she is a very strong woman to be able to continue having a conversation about her daughter and what she hopes comes out of this tragedy. It's a two-part conversation that you want to listen to. And, you know, if you have teenage daughters, you want to listen to it and have conversations with them Mm -hmm. about this and have conversations with them about life, what they're struggling with, what, where they going, who they're hanging out with, all that kind of thing, you know, um, but um, you don't, you, you don't want to miss that. That's going to be kicking off season two. And then we have a very powerful conversation with a world-class athlete who lives here in Madison, Sharon Johnson. She was a former Badger basketball player hey. who also got into another sport that you won't believe. So we'll, we'll have you hear that. And this took it all the way to the top. She has a very powerful story, you know, really struggling with the issue of suicide, suicidality and, and how that has been a thorn in her side and how she's responded and how she's working through it and how she's trying to get to that next level of healing in her life. And we're going to be having a number of conversations again, with women who are healing, who are struggling and struggling to heal and where they are, what they need, how it's impacted them right now, how it might be impacting their daughters, um, how it might be impacting their families and their community around them and, and, and somehow having that touch point of how it's defending Black girlhood. And so I think one of the things that's important for our listeners to understand is that sometimes we're going to be having conversations that are directly about black girls right now and what they're going through. But some of what we're going to be doing is defending the black girl that's inside of us as black women that didn't get defended in the first place. And so some of those conversations are about that. So some of it is about retro retrospective healing, retrospective defense, you know, for these, for these women and, and standing in that gap. So, you know, this is going to be a dynamic season and I'm really looking forward to it. You know, I can't say that enough because I think it's so necessary. I don't think that these type of conversations are being duplicated in a lot of places. And during this season, we're going to be tracking our own Cassandra Marzette. Hey. 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 And having some conversations with and so it's going to be good it's going to be good and I think at the end of it that we're going to have some healing that has been done Yes. so really excited to have you guys on board Um, excited for our whole podcast team that is returning for season two you know everyone um, Zach and Pat that helped to make season one dynamic and powerful and um Successful is coming back for season two. Bless their hearts. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we hope that our listeners are coming back and we're hoping that we're going to get some more listeners and new listeners and that um, some defensive black girls are going to be, be had. And so black women, we want to have some real time conversations. So, if there's some things that you're struggling with and you've been trying to heal and um, some family relationships, some personal things you're trying to get over, depressions, suicidal thoughts, you know, we want to invite you in to be a part of some critical conversations. And so please do reach out to us. You can reach out to us on my website, lalada.org, L-I-L-A-D-A.org. And you can send a message and I get the message directly. So if there is an issue that you would love to bring up, you don't have to be a part of the conversation. This is an issue you want to bring up. It is a private message. Only I get it. You can send it there. Or if you would want to be a part of a conversation with yourself or maybe some other women to join you that might be struggling with what you're struggling with. You know, we would love that. So reach out to us. Let me know. And let's um, let's talk about it. Because the the conversations make it real. And for too many of us, we have been through some things 
And because other people have ignored it, because other people have ignored our pain, because other people have ignored our experiences, we've ignored it too. And it's this time to deal with some stuff. It's time to deal with some stuff that will propel us towards healing, you know, um, recognizing those things that destroy us so that we can heal. So even as you are listening and um, you want to hit, hit me up, go to my website, lalita.org. Again, you can hit that message. It comes directly to me. We also are continuing to build support for the Patreon. If you like what you hear, if you want to support this, you can reach me by my website or you can go to patreon.com forward slash Lalita and um, click it. So, you know, you can start being a patron as low as $5 or you can go as high as your heart desires, you know, because we want to continue this work and we need you to do it. So continue. So consider supporting. I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you for listening. I appreciate you taking the time to make it your business to defend black girlhood.